today I want to be sharing a message entitled, The Lord is My Shepherd. Uh, and as many of you know, some of you may not know, two weeks ago, two weeks and two days ago, uh, on a Friday morning, uh, I had a heart attack. And uh, I was in Huntsville Hospital by that Friday night. And I was laying there that night. They kind of done all the stuff. And I was going to be having a heart cath the next day. Uh, Kelly was in the little bed next to me. And we cut the lights off. And we were getting ready to go to sleep. And I was laying there. And to be honest with you, I'm so thankful for the grace of God and the goodness of the Lord. I was laying there that night. And I can honestly say I had no fear of death. I had no fear of dying. But I was greatly concerned for my family. And I was greatly concerned for our church. Because not only do I love my family with all my heart, they're what I think about every day, but I love you guys and what God has called us to do. And so I was laying there that night. The lights were all off in the hospital bed. Kelly was maybe by that time fast asleep. And I was just talking to the Lord, and I was just thinking, and I was kind of pondering over what had happened. I was totally shocked by the fact that I'd had a heart attack. And I was considering all the things that were going to be happening the next day, having a heart cath, what was that going to look like, what was the next few weeks, whatever, going to unfold in my life. And as I was laying there in the bed that night, I just heard these words, the Lord is my shepherd. And when I heard those words in my heart, the Holy Spirit spoke them to me. I mean, just the peace of God just came over me. Within a few moments, I was asleep. And I remember waking up Saturday morning thinking, almost my first thought was, the Lord is my shepherd. And then my second thought was, boy, I've got to preach that. Because <laughs> when you're a preacher, everything's a sermon, right? So I began to think about that. And of course, that Saturday I had a heart cath. I had two stents put in. Uh, Mother's Day, December the 14th, came home from the hospital and uh, doing great. So again, thank you guys for your prayers, your support, feeling wonderful. Um, but that week, as I was getting a lot of texts and a lot of encouragement for so many people, a good friend of mine uh, doesn't go to our church, but a good friend of mine, he texts me uh, that first week after the heart attack, and he said, hey, I just want to encourage you to meditate on the 23rd Psalms. He said, I, I, I went through a difficult season. He had had some physical issues a couple years ago. He said, and it really ministered to me. I just want to encourage you to meditate on the 23rd Psalms. And then this past Wednesday, I was preparing to study Wednesdays, my study day. I don't do any appointments. I don't meet with anybody. I spend the entire day in prayer and the Word. And so as I was preparing to study, my intent was to, to go to the 23rd Psalms and just, just begin to dive a little deeper into that Scripture. And that morning before I could jump into the Word, I got a text message from Jessica, our oldest daughter. And she had sent me a link to a devotional that she wanted me to read, and it was on the 23rd Psalms. And uh, so I feel like I'm probably preaching the right word this morning. Amen. And, and the Lord just said to me, not only number one, did it minister to me, but I really feel like the Lord's got a word for every person here today. So whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, I believe God has a word of the Lord for you this morning. Uh, and we're going to draw that out of the 23rd Psalm. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look there. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, if you've got our app, as John Wesley talked about, you can download our message, message notes with all the scriptures and all the points on them, however you want to follow along. Let's start in Psalms 23, verse 1. A psalm of David, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'm going to do something a little different today. I just want to work verse by verse through this scripture this morning. So if you look at that first point, verse 1, kind of lays what we're going to see kind of as a pivotal point uh, to this psalm. Listen to this first point this morning. So verse 1 sets the stage for everything else in this psalm. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He is my shepherd. And that little statement sets the stage for everything else that we're going to read in the 23rd Psalms. As a matter of fact, if the Lord is not your shepherd, then this psalm doesn't apply to your life. Every promise, every provision, every ounce of his, his peace and his grace that we're going to unpackage as we work through Psalms 23 is reserved specifically for those who know the Lord as their personal Shepherd, How many you know Christianity is not a religion? It is a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, we live in a world today where our, the, the, the ideologies and philosophies of our culture will tell us that all roads lead to heaven and that any path and any religion and any philosophy is all the same thing because we're just all serving the same God, but that is absolutely 100% not true. As a matter of fact, Friday night, uh, I get to Huntsville Hospital via ambulance, and uh, they get me to my room. The heart surgeon comes in there with a team of nurses, and they're gathered around my bed. Kelly and the kids hadn't even got to the hospital yet, and I'm talking to them. They're telling me all these things, what they're going to be doing, and I'm telling them I'm a pastor, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and what church do you go to? <laughs> and, and, the, and the nurse on my left, she told me, she said, well, she said, you know, I was raised in church. She said, but I'm not really a church girl anymore. She said, I'm more of a spiritualist. And I said, well, I said, you know what? I said, you know what I love about God? I said, I love the fact that God meets us right where we are. And he draws us unto himself. And no matter where you're at today in your walk of faith, whether you're a church girl or a church guy, whether you're a spiritualist, whether you're an atheist, whether you're an agnostic, whether you don't know what you are today, the good news about God is that God meets us. He meets us right where we are, and he draws us unto himself. As a matter of fact, all of us are here today, if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you are a child of God, not because you sought him, but because he sought you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us and drew us unto himself. And I told that nurse and that little group of folks there, I said, you know, that's what I love about God is he meets us and he draws us to herself. I was talking to one of the male nurses over here about where he was going to church. And, and all of a sudden, that one lady, she starts walking out of the room. I guess she had did what she was supposed to do in that little meeting there with me. And, and she starts to walk around the corner of my room. And she says, you know, I just wish all the Hindus and Buddhists and Christians would recognize that we're just all serving the same God. And I wanted to say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but it probably may have been inappropriate where I was laying at that moment. So she walked out of the room. And immediately I thought to myself, Jesus 
would disagree with you. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, he said. Jesus would disagree with that nurse. Because all roads don't lead to heaven. The Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, and the Christians are not all worshiping the same God. Jesus said, I am the only true God, and I am the only way to the Father. And apart from me, you can't know God. There's no path through Islam. There's no path through Hinduism. There's no path through Buddhism. There's no path through atheism. There's no path any other way to the Father except through Jesus. And when David says the Lord is my shepherd, he is clarifying the realization that if you don't know God as your shepherd, then guess what? You're not his sheep. And if you're not his sheep, then you're not on his path. And if you're not on his path, you're not going to end up in the destination that he's ordained for those who love him and follow him. So everything in this psalm is contingent upon the realization that Jesus is not just a shepherd, he is the shepherd. As a matter of fact, in the Gospels, Jesus in John chapter 10 says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 14, he says again, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me. I know my sheep and they know me. Christianity is about a personal relationship with God and when I was laying in that hospital bed that night and the Lord said the Lord is my shepherd he reminded me of that scripture all of a sudden I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was in good hands amen I'm thankful for the doctors and nurses we had awesome wonderful care we are so grateful and thankful for the people God brought in their life and God uses doctors and nurses and physicians in an amazing way and I'm here today by the grace of God and by the will by the by the skill and wisdom that he's given to mankind and I'm thankful for that but my greatest comfort lies in the fact that the Lord is my shepherd amen look at that next point because verse 1 elaborates just a little bit verse 1 also tells us that if the Lord is my shepherd David said I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want the good shepherd provides all we need there is no lack in God I want y'all to say that with me there is no lack in God there's no lack in God Philippians 4 4 19 says and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory Psalms 24 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof Psalms 34 10 says young lions lack and suffer hunger but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing David said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want there is no lack in God so look at that last point if you look at that point again that last point I want you to see this so any area of lack in our life is an area in our life that we're not following his leadership the presence of lack is the absence of his leading and it's not that God's not leading it's just that we're not following 
David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want for any good thing. My God will supply all my needs. The young lions will suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. God will withhold no good thing from those who love him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills. Come on, somebody. There's no lack in God. God's not broke. God's not busted. God's not disgusted. Come on, somebody. He is well able to meet every need. So let me challenge you because this is what I've recognized about my life, and you could probably make the same assessment of your life. There have been times in my life where I've walked in the provision of God in one area, and I've had lack in another area. Kelly and I, for years, unfortunately, we struggled financially. We were tithers. We were givers. We were faithful servants of the Lord. But we struggled financially. You know why? Because we weren't following the leadership of the shepherd. There are some basic biblical principles. There's something called a budget. Proverbs says, be diligent to know the fruit of your fruit of your be diligent to know the state of your hawk state of your herd and put your heart into caring for it there's something called saving and preparing a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children how many know that means a wise man is not not going broke every week a wise man is not spending more than he makes they didn't have life insurance back then so if I was leaving an inheritance, it meant I had saved more than I had spent. We weren't following the leadership of the shepherd. There were some areas in our life where we weren't following his leading. We weren't in rebellious sin as we knew it. We weren't trying to rebel against the Lord, but there were some areas in our life where there was lack, and everywhere you find lack, you'll find that there's an area of leading that you're not following. And I want to just challenge you today because maybe the area of lack is in your marriage. Maybe the area of lack is in your relationship with your children. Maybe the area of lack is just in relationships as a whole. Maybe the area of lack is spiritually you feel depleted or you feel empty. Let me just encourage you, when you identify an area of lack in your life, recognize there is another level of leading that God wants to bring you into. Why? Because in His presence is the fullness of joy at his right hand is pleasure forevermore and the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he provides all that we need maybe not all that we want but all that we need so David said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want look at that next point verse 2 and 3 Verse 2 and 3 portrays the rest, the refreshment, and the restoration of our shepherd. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. What a beautiful picture of our shepherd. What a beautiful picture of what David is now elaborating on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me tell you why I'm not going to be in want, why I'm not going to be in lack, why I'm not going to be in need. Number one, he, lead, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. God brings rest to his sheep. Let me just say this to you today. If you are exhausted, frustrated, and discouraged, you're not following the shepherd. 
If you're exhausted, frustrated, and discouraged, you're not following the shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. How many know it was God's idea to implement a day of rest? Sabbath is a biblical model that God gave. Jesus said, I didn't make man for the Sabbath. I made Sabbath for man. Why? Because we need rest. And I'm not saying we won't have moments of exhaustion, and I'm not saying we won't have moments of frustration, and I'm not saying we won't have moments of discouragement, because we will. But if exhaustion, frustration, and discouragement are the normal standard for your life, you're not following his leadership. Because God is not leading you to exhaustion. God is not leading you to exhaustion. He's not leading you to 60, 70, 80, 90 hour work weeks. God is not leading you to coming home and having nothing left to give to your family off your job. God is not leading you into a place where you're so committed to everything and all things that you don't have the time or the energy or the strength to even sit at the feet of Jesus and hear God's voice in your own life. If you're living in exhaustion mentally, physically, or spiritually, you are in a place outside of the leadership of the Good Shepherd. That is not the path he has for you. And the Bible says he makes us to lie down in green pastures. God has an amazing way of getting our attention. Can I get an amen? And if you won't slow down and stop, usually your body will. Could be a heart attack. Could be anxiety or depression. Could be panic attacks. Could be high blood pressure. Could be migraine headaches. It could be back pain, leg pain, stomach pain that just doesn't go away. Exhaustion is not God's path for you. You need to be refreshed. You need to be rested, not lazy, but rested. So you can do the things God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. If you're exhausted, if you're frustrated, he, he makes me lie down. He leads me beside the still waters. There is refreshment in God. He refreshes our soul. He refreshes us with his peace. He refreshes us with his grace. If I am constantly, again, there are moments of frustration. It happens because we live in, we're living life. But I don't need to live in a place of constant frustration. I don't need to be frustrated with my marriage and frustrated with my children and frustrated with my job and frustrated with the ministry and frustrated with the church and frustrated with the world. If I'm living in constant frustration, I am off the path. I'm no longer following the leadership. Why? Because there is still waters that God wants me to drink. He leads me beside the still water so I can be refreshed. I can drink deeply from the well of his presence, deeply from the well of his peace. That night in the hospital two weeks and two days ago, when he just simply said, the Lord is my shepherd, his peace refreshed my soul. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew it was going to be okay. He was going to take care of not just me, but more importantly, all the people that I love and care about. 
Discouragement. Think about that. He restores my soul. Again, there's moments of discouragement, but if you live every day, every day of your life discouraged, let me, let me give you an analysis of discouragement. You have no vision or passion for tomorrow. You have no vision and no passion for tomorrow. You're discouraged. There's no zeal in your heart to step into the next thing or the new thing that God wants to do in your life. There's no zeal in your heart to do the very thing that you're doing right now that God has called you to. You know you're called to it. You just don't have the passion to pursue it. That's discouragement. And discouragement is a manifestation of being off the path of the good shepherd. I'm no longer following his leadership. There's something that's got off. There's, there's, a, there's a detour that somewhere I've taken that has gotten me out of the place that God intended me to be. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He gives me rest, refreshment, and restoration. Look at that next point, verse 3, 4, and 5. Verse 3, 4, and 5 show us his direction. They show us, think about this, the protection of God over our lives. The safest place to be is in the will of God. This is a statement that was used years ago when missionaries were going into foreign soil, when they were entering into cultures and villages and communities where people had never heard the gospel, many times maybe never even seen an American and fear would face them and fear would challenge them and there were horror stories and there were all these things that would come back from the mission field because people were being killed and martyred for their faith as they were just trying to carry the love of Jesus and one of the, one of the mantras of, of early missionaries was the safest place to be is in the will of God it's not the most comfortable place to be it doesn't lack danger and it doesn't lack risk but it's safe because when you're where God wants you to be, on the path he wants you to be in, there's no greater place to be. And to borrow a line from Veggie Tales, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Come on, he's bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than heart attacks. He's bigger than financial loss. He's bigger than even death. God is bigger than that stuff. And li listen to how listen to how David describes these realizations of God's direction and God's protection. Look at verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me just tell you something. God's name is at stake over your life. The moment you got born again and became a child of God, God put his name on you. He marked you. He identified you as his own. And your victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil matters to God. God is not glorified by your defeat. God is glorified by your victory, your victory and your triumph over sin, self, and Satan. It's when you rise that God gets the glory. God is not magnified by your defeat. God is glorified by your victory. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Your good, think about it, brings him glory. 
For all the parents in the room, you, you know this is true. When your children are making good decisions, righteous decisions, when they're walking the path that they're supposed to be walking, you know what it does? It fills your heart with pride. Not the bad kind of pride, the good kind of pride, the pride that says, I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of the choices they're making. I'm proud of the decisions. I'm proud of the path. And it brings you glory when your children make good choices and good decisions. But when you flip the coin and your children make bad choices or bad decisions, it grieves your heart. It burdens your heart. It wearies your heart over the fact that the people you love more than anybody else on planet Earth is making self-destructive decisions that's hurting their own life. And so we recognize that he leads us in paths of righteousness. God's name is at stake over your life. And he loves you. And he cares for you. Amen? Look at that next verse, verse 4. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hear me today. Following Jesus does not mean there's no persecution, there's no tribulation, there's no problem, there's no, pro there's no, pro there's no problems or no trials. That's not what it means. As a matter of fact, David declares that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to walk through some valleys. But how many of you thankful that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death because the sting of death has been removed by Jesus? Right? There's a shadow of death, but there is no sting of death because Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. But there are valleys. Following the Lord doesn't mean you live on the mountaintops. Following the Lord means that he's going to lead you through some valleys. You know why? Because there are some broken, hurting people living there. See, if we're not careful, Christianity will create Christian communities that no longer impact the darkness of the world. We'll become so Christianized, we want to go to church with Christians, which is good, but we, how many know we need some lost people in the house? Come on, somebody. We want to work with Christians because they're a whole lot easier to work with. But how many of you know if a Christian doesn't work with lost people, how are lost people going to come to Christ? If they're not going to church, they're going to work. Think about this. God will pay you money to work with lost people. God will pay you money to work with difficult, stubborn, mean, angry people who hate God and hate Christians just because he loves their soul. And I'll be honest with you, one of the greatest challenges I have as a pastor is I hang out with way too many Christians and not enough lost people. I have to be intentional to go through the valley. <laughs> I got to be intentional to go places I may not normally go, to talk to people I may not normally talk to, to engage people I may not normally engage. And as I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death called a heart attack, God gave me a closed audience of people, nurses and doctors, that I would have never got to talk to before. My ambulance driver, she, my ambulance paramedic in the back of the ambulance, she rode with me for an hour from Arab to Huntsville. She was sitting behind me the whole time as we were riding. I could see her reflection in the mirror. I was looking out the back window. She was behind me. The driver was up front, and I was talking to her the whole time. Told her I was a pastor. Told her I was a Christian. Told her about Jesus, what God's doing. She had all these awesome tattoos. I was bragging on how cool her tattoos were. <laughs> 
And about 20 minutes from the Huntsville Hospital, she got up from sitting behind me, and she came up here and sat beside me. And she said, Pastor, you know what I really struggle with? She said, I see all kind of stuff on this job. And she said, I see a lot of people that do bad things, and they live. And a lot of good people, and they die. How do you reconcile that? I spent the next 15, 20 minutes talking to her about the good news of the gospel, how sin, self, and Satan bring pain, sorrow, and suffering, how that death is the enemy of God that Jesus came to destroy, and how that there is hope in Christ, and only in Him can we face those things. Before we got done, she done found her website. She had done subscribed to our Facebook page. She said, as soon as my boyfriend and we get off on the same weekend, we're going to be at church, and I'm looking for her. Because when you walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, God takes you places, not for your destruction, but for the salvation of other people. Stop complaining about the lost people you work with and start praying for them. Stop complaining about the atheists and agnostics on social media and start praying for them. Stop complaining about people that are lost and dying and going to hell and seem like they're excited about it and start praying for them. They need what you got. But if we don't cross paths, it's really hard for them to experience what you've got when they never experience your life. And it's when they see you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you don't falter and you don't waver and you don't give up and you don't give in that all of a sudden they realize there must be something to that Jesus thing. There must be something to that thing you call in Christianity because I've seen you go through difficult times and your faith never wavered. You never curse God. You never blame God. You never quit God. And all of a sudden, they see something they could never see or hear in a sermon on Sunday. They see the powerful, living, breathing testimony of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing it is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. What was meant for your destruction, God will use for your edification. What the devil intended to take you out, God will use to set you up to be a light in the darkness to bring other people to Jesus Christ. Many of you know Stephen and Susie Amundsen. They're our children's pastors. They stepped in just uh, at the end of last year. and uh, He got diagnosed with cancer a few months ago. He's on his second round of treatments. Uh, first week of his treatment, he goes five days a week, eight hours a day. For chemo, and then he goes one hour, hour and a half, one day a week for the next three weeks. He just started two weeks ago his second round of treatment. He's got a beautiful new hairdo. He's got this shiny bald head. He's looking good. Last Sunday, we had our leaders meeting, and, and I was asking Stephen, how are you going, how's things going? And he began to tell me how that as he's been going to chemo, he's been witnessing to people and talking to the nurses and, and talking to the other people there. And, and he said after a couple, couple of times of going, he said they started calling him Brother Steve. He said, I'd walk in there and they'd say, Brother Steve, you got a word from the Lord for us today? He said, oh yeah, I got a word from the Lord for you today. And every day he goes to chemo, he shares the word of the Lord. He's praying for people. He's ministering to people. He's shining the light of Jesus Christ. Why? Because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen. Look at that last point. 
Verse 5, verse 6 reveals the care, the compassion, and the eternal provision of the shepherd. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but the most valuable thing to a shepherd is his sheep. And the most precious thing to the sheep is the shepherd. Christianity is a love relationship with the Father. David said, verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That first part, you anoint my head with oil, is, is, is an interesting thing. Biblical shepherds would tell you that sheep would nick and scratch their faces or their ears as they were wandering through life and grazing and feeding. And, and they would get infections set up in these little cuts on their face, their nose, and their ears. And every evening, the shepherd, when he would gather the sheep into the sheepfold, he would literally inspect their head. He would look over their nose and their eyes and their face and their ears and make sure there was no cuts or no infections because little bugs would lay eggs in those infections. They would get inside their ears. Literally, sheep would bang their heads against a rock until they killed themselves because of the inflammation and infection that was set up in them. And the good shepherd, the Bible said, would inspect the sheep and then he would anoint them with oil. The anointing would heal the hurt. The anointing would kill the insects. The anointing would restore their minds to wholeness. I want to tell you something. Every day God inspects you. Every day the good shepherd puts his hand on your life and he's looking over every aspect of your life. And I want you to hear me today. God is not inspecting you so he can scold you for bumping your head against a rock. He's inspecting you so that the bumps and bruises of life don't become infections that take you out of the fold. He loves you that he anoints you with oil. He puts that soothing anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your head. And let me just encourage you. See, when you find yourself being tormented in your mind, tormented with thoughts, tormented with those little voices of the enemy, those accusations and condemnations, those thoughts of fear and worry and anxiety, one of the first things Kelly and I did in the hospital is we rebuked the spirit of fear. We're not going to make decisions out of fear. We're not going to be ruled by fear. We're not going to allow the fear of what if or what could have or what should have happen keep us from living the life God has called us to live. But if you find yourself, hear me today, many Christians find themselves plagued in their minds because, because they, have, they have been unwilling to follow the shepherd to the sheepfold. They, they've been unwilling to come to that place of inspection where God really begins to rub his hands over your head feeling for things that may not be seen but little infections that may have begun to grow and when he puts his hand on you he can see it and then he gets the oil and he begins to rub it over your life I want to tell you today there is a soothing healing anointing today that comes from God God can heal every hurt he can silence the the accusation and the condemnation the fear the worry the unbelief of the enemy he can silence those thoughts in your mind he can fill you with hope because he wants to anoint you with his presence 
David went on to say, not only does he anoint me with oil, but he says, and my cup runs over. It's a picture of provision. It's a picture of more than enough. It's a picture of having everything that I need. See, see, David knew something. This is something we, we probably in our modern day culture don't understand. David knew something. He understood that the quality of the life of the sheep was directly determined by the quality of the care of the shepherd. Healthy sheep meant you had a healthy shepherd. Good sheep meant you had a good shepherd. Anytime you find weak, starving, diseased sheep, you don't have a good shepherd. You probably got a hireling that doesn't even care. He's just trying to get some fleece from their wool. But David understood, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will make my cup run over with good things. Why? Because the quality of my life as a sheep is determined by the quality of the care of the shepherd, and he's a good shepherd. Many of you know Brother Curtis, Brother Curtis and Diane, they're elders here in our church. And a couple years ago, Brother Curtis got a dog. Her name is Bailey. And I told Curtis, just joking with him, I said, Curtis, I don't believe in reincarnation, but if I believed in reincarnation, I would want to come back as your dog. I mean, that dog is living the high life. I mean, you talk about taking care of, eating the best food, goes to the little hotel doggy condominium when they're out of town. I mean, it is amazing. Amazing how well he cares for that dog. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. He said, and Keith, think about it. If Curtis, being a man, knows how to take good care of his dog, how much more will I, your good Father in heaven, care for the sheep of my pastor how much more will I care for you amen and then David said this and we're going to get ready to wrap up David said and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life so think about it like this if you're following Jesus goodness and mercy is following you that's a pretty good sandwich amen if you're following Jesus, goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a picture of eternity. What a picture of what God is ultimately leading us to. So I want to close with one final story. About two weeks before I had the heart attack, I was reading a book by John Maxwell. I'm a John Maxwell fan, and he's got a new book out that came out this year. And I was reading a book by John Maxwell, and he told the story about a great orator. Back in the 1800s, true story, there was a man, he was a great orator. He was known for his communication skills. He was known for, for his ability, his eloquence in his speech. And he would stand and give speeches and recite poems, and people would gather to hear the great eloquent words that would flow out of his mouth. And it was back in the 1800s, and there was a great banquet hall, and he had been speaking that night, and they were getting ready to close the banquet that night, and they, the audience begged him, one more, one more, give us one more recitation, give us one more, one more opportunity just to hear and he said what would you love to hear and an old man in the back of the room said why don't you recite the 23rd Psalms and the great orator said he said I'd be honored to do that he said on one requirement he said when I get done reciting the 23rd Psalms sir would you mind to come up front and you recite the 23rd Psalms the old man agreed the great orator began the Lord is 
my shepherd, and with beautiful words and eloquence, he spoke. He got to the end of the Psalms, the entire banquet hall stood to their feet in applause, celebrating. They had never heard anything so amazing. The words just filled their ears and their heart. When the applause finally died down, he asked the old man to come up front. The old man stood at the front of the banquet hall, and he began by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. When he got to the end of the Psalms, there was no applause. Nobody was standing on their feet. But you could hear the sound of cries as every person literally in their seat had tears running down their face as they wept, many of them uncontrollably, having heard the old man recite the 23rd Psalms. A young man who was with that great orator, he was an apprentice learning how to speak. He pulled the, the great man aside and he said, what happened? He said, I don't understand this. What happened here tonight? And the orator made this statement. He said, I knew the 23rd Psalms. He said, but that old man, he knew the shepherd. He knew the shepherd. And I want to ask you today, do you know the shepherd? You might know the 23rd Psalms. You might know about God. But do you know him? Why don't we bow our heads for just a moment? And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I know about God, but I, I don't know Him. Not like you've talked about today. Maybe, I've had a, maybe you've had a religious view of God. Maybe you've had a churchy view of God, but maybe you've never had a personal relationship with God. And maybe like that great orator, maybe you can say, oh yeah, I know the 23rd Psalms. But maybe not like the old man. Maybe you can't say today, I know the shepherd. And if you want to know him today, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to know Jesus as my shepherd. I want him to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow him all the days of my life. If that's you, I'd love for you to just do something very simple but very bold. I'd love for you just to stand to your feet. Just a simple act of faith. I want to know Jesus today as my shepherd. Nobody's looking at you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But this is your opportunity just to take a step of faith and say, I want to follow him. I want to follow him. If you're watching online, I want you just to type in that chat box, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. If that's you right now, just stand. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Just stand to your feet right now. Jesus is calling you. The Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. And as people are standing right now, our ushers, if you stand, our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand, and I'm going to pray with you. But if that's you, if you want to stand right now, go ahead and stand. Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. I know about God, but today I want to know him. I want to know him. As our ushers hand you that packet, just remain standing. I'm about to pray with you. Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. Let's just pray this prayer. If you're standing right now, this prayer is for you. I want everybody to say it with us out loud. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, be my shepherd. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.